Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. My name is Hunter Williams, I'm the worship pastor here at Piedmont Church, and today I'm joined with our lead pastor, Chris Barbie. Uh, this past Sunday, we just started a new sermon series called More Than Enough, and in the first of this series, we were talking about the passage in Luke 8, where Jesus cast out the demons that the disciples could not cast out. Into bacon. Yeah, into delicious, I mean, tasty it, bacon. That's right. Cast yeah. out demons into pigs, and then pigs go off a cliff. What a waste. Very strange <laughs> story. Um, why do you think it was pigs? Like, why do you think that was where they were like, send us into the pigs, man? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I read actually read a lot of commentary about that, and nobody really has, obviously, like a real answer. I think it was the pigs because they were, you know, the next closest thing, and there was a lot of them, and yeah. so... That was the whole legion thing. There was several inside of these two men, as recorded by Matthew, only one yeah. uh, we kind of highlight in Luke and in Mark. But, yeah, I think they were just looking for a way out so yeah. that they didn't have to be uh, yeah. tormented by Jesus. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I think a lot of people ask the question, so, like, what happened to the demons after they fell off the cliff? Yeah. Well, um, most people believe they just kind of went into the, we'll call it the ether, so to speak. Ether. Like, they just floated around and found themselves another a new host, host yeah. uh, okay. to, to plague. So really, I feel bad for the herdsmen if I feel bad for anybody, yeah. right? That They're out there sucks. just minding their own business, working. They got about 2,000 pigs, a lot of money. And then here Jesus comes along and, yes, rescues the two guys from demonic uh, possession. But then they lose all their you know, livestock. Yeah. 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 I don't think Luke says it, but I think Mark actually gives the number. It's like 2000, right? Yes. Yeah. That's insane. That's a lot of, pigs. a lot of pigs. I don't so think I've ever money. seen that many pigs in my life. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a lot of, uh, delicious, uh, McGriddles. Yeah. Waste. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, um, in, in that part of the story, the demons actually talk about, um, Jesus comes up and they're like, what do you want with us, son of God? Like, uh, are you here to torment torment us before the time? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so what is, what is, what does that mean? Yeah, so it's this time of torment, right? So you're reading through the passage, and um, it's cool that you know we can see that Jesus calls for uh, their attention, like they recognize him immediately, yeah. which should tell us something, right? Like we can, we don't even recognize him sometimes. Like True. there's moments in your life when you like you can look back and you're like, oh, that was the hand of God, but we don't notice it in the moment. Yeah. But here. Uh, the demons notice him right in the moment. So that gives us a perspective like of the spiritual realm. Like they are very aware, demons, angels, of what is happening right now. And maybe it should clue us in to be a little more aware of what's happening. And that kind of brings us, we'll, that'll, that'll tie in later to what we're talking about. But so this time of torment idea, um, if you've been in the Bible, or been, you know, following God for any some time hopefully what you have seen is that our god is not a reactionary god he's a god that's in control and he's sovereign and so it actually goes back to the very beginning so um we talked about this a little bit on sunday where you know god creates everything as we see in genesis 1 uh, at the end of genesis 1 he creates everything good so this is kind of where the belief and the idea of the angels were created because we yeah. know that angels um are uh not boundless are, um, they are bound by time yeah. um, and power. And so we know that they have a finite beginning for sure. Uh, and that would have been Genesis 1. And so he creates angels good. But then somewhere between uh, Genesis 1 and what we see in Genesis 3, um, Satan had fallen, who was a cherub, um, which is just kind of a 
uh, I guess, a, a role of an angel. And um, we see him in the form of a serpent. And um, many believe that that's when most of the demons fell. Some believe that it could have happened in Genesis 6 or maybe even Genesis 9. Uh, at the at the least, you would say that a portion fell, Genesis 3, yeah. and then another portion maybe fell with the Nephilim and that whole Sons of God, which we're not talking about today. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you, you see these, these demons fall. Uh, Satan is highlighted uh, in Genesis chapter 3. And what happens when the fall officially happens, uh, God sees Adam and Eve in their sin, uh, they hide from him, and he's going to discipline Adam, Eve, and Satan. And he looks at Satan in Genesis chapter 3.15 and basically says, hey, so there's going to be a Messiah that comes. This is, I think, um, I forget the exact phrasing, uh, but we call this the proto-evangelum. So it's kind of like the first gospel. Like this is the first good news, the first victory that we see in Genesis 3.15. And God just looks at Satan says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That, that portion is kind of highlighting that the Messiah will come from a woman and your defeater will be man to a degree. Because yeah. we know Jesus was, what, 100% God, but also 100% man. And then he says, he shall bruise your head and he shall bruise his heel. So this is that beginning reference of this time of torment. Like there is a set date when you, demon, will be defeated. And then if you continue on through uh, really the entire scriptures, but you get to the revelatory ones like Daniel yeah. and Revelation, um, the sovereignty of God and the plan, again, why I said he's not reactionary, it's been laid out. Like yeah. there is this uh, moment uh, God knows when he will send his son and his son will return or rapture, and depending on your pre-trib or whatever beliefs, like the war will begin, yeah. you know, m you know, Megadito and Armageddon and all these other different things will happen. And eventually, uh, Revelation reveals that these demons will then be cast down into a pit and a time of torment will begin for them. Uh, and so that is really the kind of the reference. And um, interestingly, that Jesus is speaking with his demonic you know, person, yeah. we'll call them, uh, and hey, the time hasn't come. So yeah. they have an idea yeah. of when it is. They don't know when, yeah. but they knew that it was obviously a little too early yeah. uh, <laughs> in the game to get the L yet. So, um, yeah, I think that's really the reference. And I think the important part for us as believers to know is that God is not like waiting around uh, for something specific yeah he is in control now true so like Amen. i think that's a pretty cool thing about the bible is like we don't know you know what we're gonna eat for lunch today yeah uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds god knows it all and he knows when the victory will happen and he will make the victory happen and really everything in between is a grace from him um even in the bad stuff yeah. So I think that's that time of torment. It's a big deal because it gives us an overarching picture of God's control and sovereignty. Um, but it it also is kind of uh, vague yeah. in and of itself because, like, we don't know the answer, but it does show 
even the demons know that there's an answer and that they're going to lose. Yeah. Which just makes me go like, then why, you know, like, did you, up, yeah, did yeah. you not know you're going to lose like before all yeah. of this? But no, they probably didn't. They're probably blocked by their pride. Like you can, yeah. I think it was in Isaiah, uh, you know, where Satan is called morning star and he, he's fallen. I think it's Isaiah 14. Um, and like, he knows, like yeah. it's his pride that he wants to reach to be the, most high and i think in that moment it's kind of like after you've touched the stove your parents hey don't touch the stove yeah and then you touch it and you're like oh that that, that is hot you, yeah well you told me it was gonna be hot but i i thought you were wrong yeah you know yeah. I, I knew more than you as a six-year-old or whatever i was um and i feel like that's where satan and the demons find themselves is like they're in this moment of pride and they think they can seize power and so they do it somewhere in the genesis 3 area and they regret it for the rest of their time. And so until that time of torment comes, they're just going to run amok. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what that reference is. And I think it's just important for the, the full picture uh, and understanding that God's not reactionary, but he is sovereign over all things. Yes. So. Amen to that. Um, in that conversation, you just mentioned the word cherub. Yeah. So the Bible talks a lot about angels and demons, obviously, and there's different rankings for angels and different things like that. So what would you say are like the the purpose? What is the purpose or like the roles of angels? Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, we mentioned yesterday that there's definitely, um, I mean, the ultimate purpose is to glorify God. Yes. And so I think that's a huge one um, that you want to stay focused on. You could, I think I even said yesterday, like you, you could probably talk for, a long time about what exactly they do and all the things but so to kind of to kind of summarize you know we talked about there are roles like you have the cherubim the seraphim you have michael the archangel like those types of things you have gabriel the the messenger and then you have yeah. like sometimes they're called living creatures um it's kind of representations yeah. i guess of god's sovereignty and who he is um, but I think in, in some ways what they do is they kind of carry out God's judgment at times throughout scripture. Yeah. Um, they obviously send messages that we, you know, we see, they communicate with Mary. Yeah. Um, they, uh, ac help accomplish God's work. Um, I think revelation seven, I even, yeah, I have it right there. Then as, then I saw another angel coming up from the East, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. That's Revelation 7, verses 2 and 3. And so that, that reference, that, that verse kind of references that they influence the creation in yeah. a positive way. Um, they will announce Christ's return, and, and, and then they do some things like, I guess, um, uh, connecting with us. Um, influencing us in a way. Yeah. Um, they obviously, Revelation has a lot of this in the you know end times and in the, the the new heaven and new earth. But like we'll worship together with them. Um, they they relate to us in, in a way. But it's I think this is where the confusion of like guardian angels come oh, yeah. comes in is where we think that we've been like assigned one. And I don't I don't know that the scripture really references that. I think it's a great ideal i mean it, like it makes it gives you the warm fuzzies you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> it makes sure. you makes yeah. you feel good but precious moments yeah but I, but i don't know that uh it, it's something that um really can can be attained and, and looked forward to so really what 
what they do is they stand um, for God. And at times I would say they stand for us, but I wouldn't say that their pro- primary purpose is standing for us. Yeah. Um, if we are in line with God's will, then I would think I, I would say they stand for us. Yeah. Um, I, I referenced a movie or a book, excuse me, this present darkness. I mean, I've, they've got like a whole series. I think they came out in like the eighties and like, there's this picture of angels and demons kind of having like Lord of the Rings battles. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool to imagine it like that. I don't, I don't know if it specifically works like that, but I don't know that it doesn't specifically work like that. If that yeah. makes sense. So it, it's kind of vague. I don't think angels are the, uh, focus of scripture. And so they're there. They're not necessarily discussed, uh, in full detail, um, but it's it's certainly something um, to to I guess look at. But really, their ultimate purpose is to point people, point the world back to God, and yeah. so they obey Him, they bring Him glory and His goodness. Um, in the Old Testament, you see a lot of times like a messenger comes and it says the angel of the Lord. Yeah, that can either. Just a little fun fact here. That can either actually be an angel or a lot of folks, and I, I would I would hold to this camp, more often believe that that is like the preeminent Christ, meaning um, this is Jesus in the flesh walking the earth before Jesus' official birth. Yeah. Uh, and I could go into all kinds of details about why that why that is that it is, but it is, I think the the easiest one to say is that uh, God the Father doesn't necessarily have a physical form. Yeah, the Spirit obviously doesn't have a physical form, and so who does have a physical form? The Triune God. It's it's Jesus. And so when we see a physical form, like when Old Testament references a physical human body, um, we know that angels don't have that. Yeah. Um, we know that God the Father doesn't have that. We know that God the Spirit doesn't have that. So it must be God the Son, Jesus. So, yeah. Does that answer the question? I think I feel like so. there was a lot yeah. of rambling in there. Yeah. I think the ultimate, you know, breaking it down to the very bare bones purpose, that, that was a good answer. Yeah. Um. So you you just kind of talked about the physical, you know, was it the Jesus incarnate or angels or, you know, different things like that. So let's talk about the actual, like, tangibility. You know, a lot of people talked about ghosts in today's <laughs> world and things yeah. like that. And, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, if you get into the scripture, there's really no evidence of ghosts. Sure. So we would be more inclined to believe things that people see could either be angels or demons. Mm. So what's your stance on that? Yeah. So I think it's good. Anytime you talk about ghosts, yeah, you quickly narrow down. What exactly are you speaking of? Um, There are uh, a lot of, you know, people who think that like, you know, somebody died in a horrific way and they, they become some sort of ghosts. Well, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, Or I guess not present with the Lord, depending on, you know, <laughs> uh, whether you said yes to salvation or not. So we know that ghosts are not um, people who passed away or have unfinished business. Remember the movie Casper? Yeah. <laughs> unfinished business. Um, we we would all have unfinished business. I feel like anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you when we're talking about ghosts, I really think people are really referring to this angels and demons thing. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think you then have to talk about how you're seeing them, what's happening, why do you feel this thing? Um, I definitely feel like a presence of an angel or a demon can be felt. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I would say how open 
are we to the spiritual realm and not to get in like I don't know hippie language spiritual realm and all that kind of things but it's it's kind of like we opened up talking about like the demon recognized Jesus in our day-to-day life how often are we recognizing the spirit of God and how often are we recognizing the demonic the um that maybe the angels in our corner um and so I, I certainly think that there could be a hovering um, around people. I, I don't. I don't hold to the belief that um, a demon would haunt a location. Yeah. Personally, um, that doesn't mean that. Just like like when those demons went off the cliff with the pigs, like where did they go? Yeah. Maybe they stayed in that location. And so it felt as if they haunted a location. I said maybe there. So let's just, you know. Uh, so, you know, I think I told a story on Sunday about I was in a house. I was by a house in New Orleans that had a lot of horrific murders. And I felt like this, like, spiritual tension. Yeah. I I would say, I'm not saying that um, a demon wasn't hanging out of the house. I'm saying their purpose wasn't the house. Yeah. They have no win in haunting a house. The win for a demon is to mess with us. You know what I mean? To sure. keep us from God. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like if you're if you're building a strategy of war, would you put a demon in a house where nobody lives? No, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Because there's no purpose in that. So Satan's crafty. I mean, the scripture actually gives him a lot of credit when it com- comes to his, you know, ability to be on the prowl and, you know, oversee his his legions of de- of demons. So. Uh, we've, I've had several people call me at different times, like, hey, what do I do? I feel like my house is, you know, I don't know, being possessed or whatever. And I've just told them, I said, well, let's look at the people. Don't look at the house. Because the house, they don't care about. Yeah. They definitely care about the people. And so, and a lot of times it's usually, yeah, I've got this person living with me or I've got a family member. i got this person that is lost or is struggling or they're um, in, a, in addiction or something like that. And I would say, man, I think what you're experiencing, feeling, seeing, hearing is nothing more than an expression of either demonic possession or demonic oppression um, in those moments. So do ghosts exist? No. Do demons exist? Yes. Can they haunt things? Sure. But I think they haunt people. Yeah. And, And haunt might not even be like a... They don't want to scare you. I don't think that is like their intention. They they want, uh, scripture says, to steal, kill, and destroy you. Yeah. So if they scare you, it is only a step in the process of keeping you from God. Yep. So um, as we, you know, are closing in on Halloween, just remember that. Yeah, for real. Because, <laughs> I mean, as much as I think Halloween is... Um, you know, it's a fun time to dress up and eat candy and, you know, all the things and kids go trick-or-treating. And I think there can be a lot of pure innocence in it. There is a segment of our population and in our world that, man, it is a time to toy with the demonic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there, there's probably, if you ask people, users of like a Ouija board or something, Yeah. when was the first time you did it? I would be willing to bet you that a good percentage of them started it sometime in october yeah like because it's just it's the it's the fun popular thing right like uh, let's just you know get in a circle and you know and we don't even necessarily believe anything's gonna happen but the reality is you can in some way shape or form communicate with with spirits we'll say right yeah and i think that's the dangerous part of it because i think 
it's been Satan's plan all along. Like, let me just kind of craft these things as it's just a game or yeah. it's, it's just a little, you know, a hokey little thing. There's no truth in it, but in reality, it's a very real thing. The demonic world is a very real thing. And when we are, whether knowingly or unknowingly, playing with these things, we are messing with something that is vastly beyond our understanding and knowledge. For sure. Yeah. Well, you see witchcraft and magic and like magic and stuff like that in scripture. Yeah. And like voodoo and all these different things that are still present today. Well, what do you think is happening? There's interaction with the demonic. Yeah. So just as much as we find power in the spirit of God, there is a form of power, I so to sp- I say, in the demonic. Yep. It's obviously a weaker powder. You're going to lose. So, um, but sure. yeah. So you so you just mentioned possession versus oppression. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as Christians, we've always been told, like, you're good. You don't have to worry about being demon-possessed. But I think what people don't realize is demon oppression is a very real thing. Yes. So kind of expound upon that. Yeah. So uh, in case you aren't familiar, so possession is where uh, a demon, like, actually physically would reside in you. And uh, like Hunter said, as a Christian— uh, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, so there, there's no room for anything else or yeah. anyone else. So you are safe in that sense. However, um, I think oppression is something that anyone can experience, but specifically the Christian would feel oppression. Um, and, and what that looks like would be different for everyone. Uh, and I think it would be different depending on where you live, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hear stories of missionaries um, and they, they've experienced possession a lot, yeah. uh, not in Christians, obviously, but in the people around them. And, you know, there is moments where they tell stories that you see where we get like these movies from the exorcism of, you know, fill in the blank person, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think Satan works in one way, um, in different places. I think when you get to like our side of the globe and our specific place, um, I don't think we're very spiritually aware. Yeah, and I think it goes back to kind of what I was saying about the Ouija board. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to kind of let this fly under the radar so people don't take it as serious as serious as they should. Whereas, you know, if you go to Israel or anywhere in the Middle East, like, it's a very real thing. Yeah. Because they, you know, they still, like, we've kind of been almost lied to, like, movies portray these mm. things. This isn't real. That's but right. over there, it's a very real thing in their culture. Yeah, and so because of our spiritual blindness... I think oppression comes and takes forms, and we medicate for yeah. it a lot of times. Um, I'm not saying that everyone that has suffered from some form of, you, know, you go down the list, man, but, you know, schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, bipolar. I'm not saying, please hear me, that if someone has a chemical imbalance or a actual issue with those things in their life, that it is 100% demonic oppression. I'm not saying that. I am saying that I have firsthand witnessed people, not a person, but people who have been experiencing demonic oppression and we, it it manifested itself in a anxiety, depression type fashion. And when you see the long bouts of that, uh, that's when you kind of know like, Oh, we've tried all the medications. We've tried this. Like, there are people out there that do deliverance ministries, and that's essentially deliver- deliverance ministries can look like exorcism or it can look like getting rid of oppression. And so think of oppression like maybe a demon putting a, uh, 
I don't know, a, a GPS finder on you yeah. or like a, you know, a hook in your shirt. So they're not, con- they're, they're not inside of you. They don't own you. They don't take you over, but they're connected to you somehow. Yeah. They have, they have, they have put a, they've almost like inceptionized you. If you've ever seen that movie Inception where they like put a thought in your brain yeah. and then you made the thought your own. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what they do. They whisper to us. Yep. And uh, that's why, you know, scripture talks about taking your thoughts captive and being renewed. Uh, by the spirit and let your 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 mind be new um so they they whisper things to us and when we buy into those lies we are allowing them to take a hold of our place or maybe there's been something in our past um that we haven't given up we haven't forgiven we haven't let go um we haven't given jesus full reign over that thing so that's giving them a place to kind of stay connected to us and so they'll take that opportunity and they will oppress us through that and they will um, mess with us in, in such a way that we have no other way of expressing the way we're feeling other than depression yeah. or anxiety or sleep deprived or bad moods. Or, I mean, I mentioned this in the sermon the other day. It's like sometimes we wake up in a bad mood and we just go, oh, I slept on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. There's a chance you woke up on the, the wrong side of the bed. Yes. There's also a chance that what you're experiencing is demonic oppression. Yeah. Like, I, I have felt that many a day in preparation for, like, sermons or something or a conversation with someone where there was just something dark yeah. around me. I don't want to say in me, but it, it, it definitely – I gave in sometimes to the choice of letting the darkness affect me. Yeah. And so um, – and it was it, – it, when I, like, reflect, it was always before big moments. Yep. Like, I knew I was going to preach a sermon that would have – fully addressed this or that situation with some people or our congregation. Um, and so I think oppression looks um, to the naked eye. It just looks like somebody's having a hard time, yeah. you know? And so we medicate and I'm not saying this in the wrong medicine. I think sometimes we need it. Um, but I think if you're medicating an issue that doesn't have a medical problem, yeah. all you do is con- convolute the, yeah. the issue. And so um, maybe the problem in the in the person's life who's experiencing issues um, is purely demonic. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day who's expressing some of these same things, and the person that they were speaking about, a loved one, is not a believer. And I'm going to be honest, I felt pretty handcuffed in that conversation yeah. because as they're telling me all the things, my like gut and everything in me is just like, well, we just need to lead that person to Jesus because we can't fully um, have them, uh, I don't know, free from these bondage, from this bondage until they fully recognize the lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the first step for people when if you think that you're experiencing some sort of demonic oppression uh, or maybe even possession, I, my first question would be like, who is who is the authority in your life? Is it Jesus? If the answer is yes, it's Jesus, then verbally give him the authority and verbally denounce demons. And, you know, like, I know it sounds weird. Do it by yourself. <laughs> don't, yeah. do it for, don't do it in the mall. That would be weird, right? Yeah. But, like, if you're by yourself, like, you know, out loud, say, like, I plead the blood of Christ over this house. I plead the blood of Christ over my body. I've given my life to Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, demons, I cast you out. Like, yeah. I just... um I know it sounds weird. I know it, you know, could be hokey pokey or hocus pocus, so to speak. But um, 
I've just seen it. I've witnessed it. And yeah. so, like, I know that it's a thing. Very real, man. Well, thanks for talking with us today. Yeah. This is very informative. Um, I would say if any of you guys have any additional questions, you can email us at connect at Um, You know, if you're, if any, if you or anyone you know is maybe struggling or you think you may be going through uh, de demonic oppression, we would love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. So again, uh, email us at connect at pmychurch.net and um, we'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>